0: Welcome back to another episode of Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. My name is Christopher Kidd. I'm here with the legendary Michael Sean Dugar over in Pittsburgh. Mike, man, what is going on?
1: What up, what up, man? Man, it's late over here, man. This
2: time difference is is getting to me, but I just ate at a good food spot, so I'm good.
0: It's funny, someone actually wanted to know where you ate today, so when we get to Twitter questions, you definitely have to answer that. Mike, where can they follow you at, or is it always just a blue check, man? What's up?
1: Yeah, man, they know. Follow
2: me, at Mike Dugard. You know, I'm I'm terrified. It's a blue check next to my name. I'm wearing athletic gear in my Twitter profile. I actually just remembered that. Yeah, man, they
0: know how to find me. All right. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's ckid 206 Let's get right into it, Mike. The Seahawks pull out a victory, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 28-26 on the road. Ben Roethlisberger left right before halftime pretty much, and then in the second half he was pretty much done. Young guy came out there, did his best, but it wasn't enough. The Seahawks, again, they prevailed 28-26. Mike, was it exciting or what? Yeah, man. I mean, even with a backup quarterback, Mason Rudolph, I mean, you always
2: got to put a little asterisk on it when teams just whip on the the opposing team's backup quarterback because, like, as the New Orleans Saints showed, like, even teams who have, like, a, a halfway decent backup, no team is like really, really equipped to come out here and just ball with their backup. That's why what the Eagles did was so spectacular with Foles. But even still, man, I was entertained. Man, the Seahawks never—they're never boring in in that way, man. Like I think someone tweeted out today—I did—I forgot who it was—that the Seahawks are two and zero and they have a point differential of
1: plus
2: three. <laughs> like, like, they only scored three more points than the opponent. It's 2-0, two two and oh, whereas, like, I think someone responded with the Patriots uh, plus-minus, which I believe is plus, like, 73
1: mm. or
0: something,
2: <laughs> something like that, which is ridiculous.
0: It is. You know what else is ridiculous is Russell Wilson. The guy is back to his MVP level. I don't think he's lost a step— and he proved it again today. 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, multiple targets today. What were your thoughts on Russell Wilson playing over in Pittsburgh today? What did you think of him?
2: Well, the, the, the thing with Russ, I thought, well, A, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion. I'm not sure if that's a hot take. You know, I'm not really good with those. <laughs> um, but, I mean, at this point, so here's the thing. I want to give some love to Russ, but I also need to give some to Brian Schottenheimer, who seems like he kind of realized how good Russ is. Maybe he he just realized that last week or the week before. I don't know. Maybe he run that in the preseason. Because Russ is pretty damn good. He's good to the point where when you give him clean pockets, he'll make it happen. It doesn't really matter who he's throwing to, he'll throw it on point. Like, there were very few passes out there today where it was just like, oh, man, that guy made a spectacular grab. Like, DK's touchdown was easy. You know, all of Tyler's catches were pretty easy. Will Diffie's catches, I think one was like back, shoulder, down the scene. But, I mean, you're a tight end. Like, that's what you practice. Like, he was throwing some pretty easy passes there because he's money. He's accurate. And the one thing that I think I'm leaning towards, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on the show, is I really don't think you can be taught to be, like, wildly accurate at this point in your career. Like, if you're here in the NFL, however accurate you are, maybe it'll fluctuate. Uh, a few percentage points here and there, you know, uh, based on defenses and, and, you know, your targets and health and whatever. But for the most part, who you, you are who you are. And Russ came into the league pretty accurate. And he's, he's I think he's only, like, getting a little better each year. So even with a high volume of dropbacks today, I counted 42 dropbacks. Dude completed twenty nine of what, thirty-five passes. Yes. Three hundred yards, even on the nose with three touchdowns. Come on, man. No mistakes. I didn't see any bad throws today. Come on, man. Like these are the type of games that Russ needs to have for them to win, even with their good run game. They got the shaky defense for the most part, but like if if Russ is gonna do this every week, man, the Seahawks are gonna run run through some folks, that's for real.
0: No, I can I totally agree on that. I mean Russ, he did. I mean you mentioned his completion and attempts today. I didn't realize he only threw six incomplete passes. (laughs) I mean, that's wild.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man, like he's crazy efficient. That's
2: the thing. Like, yeah, he'll have some bad games. Like Minnesota last year was a really bad game. You know, I don't think that they were equipped to, to play a team without Doug Baldwin. The same thing in Chicago last year. He just wasn't equipped to play a game without Doug Baldwin. And you know what? That's a little bit of Shadi's fault. Maybe that's Russ's fault. But, you know, Doug's a really good player. So when you're counting on him all offseason and then, you know, you don't have him. You're going to have some struggles. But, like, they're ready for that now. Look at the dudes he was throwing to. But Malik Turner had 50 yards. I know, right? Today. Like, nobody even wanted Malik on the team, like, three weeks ago. <laughs> and all of a sudden, look at that. He was 50
0: yards. I think he had, he had more yards than DK today. No, DK yeah. had 61. Yeah,
2: you know, actually, you know, that's what it was. Malik Turner had more yards today than Will Distance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. He got just as many uh, targets as Chris Carson. He had three times as many targets. As uh, Jeron Brown, like that's what Russell can work with. You give him Malik Turner, and he'll he'll turn him into a baller. Not to say Malik Turner is not skilled, you know, he was, he was decent in college. But come on, man, I mean, Russ can be out there throwing to me and you if, as long as he's prepared and knows that it's gonna be me and you, you know, like he he can make it happen. And I think Shotty today really like adjusted well when the run game was just not going. Like the raw numbers look okay. I think they ended up rushing for like one fifty total. But, I mean, half of that – another half of that. I think 20 yards of that is Russell Wilson scrambles. Uh, one of those is a 37-yard touchdown by Rashad. Like, for the most part, they were not winning up front. Up front looked disgusting <laughs> for the first half. And Shadi's just like, you know what we're going to do? Screw it. We're going to throw. And what do you know? Russell balls out. Because even if you give him a high volume, he can still be efficient. I mean, he really is one of the best.
0: Well, you did mention a disastrous first half. Let's go ahead and talk about the offensive line in the first 30 minutes because it was very shaky. They ended up giving up four sacks all in the first half. I don't know what was going on, but Fetty and Fluker could not protect Russell under any circumstance. What did you notice from the game? T.J.
1: Watt
2: is a beast, man. I honestly think he just beat Jermaine. Like maybe Fluker was supposed to like step in and, and switch on the on a little stunt, but for the most part you gotta account for T J Watt and so yeah. you gotta block the dude. I think, you know, there's a lot that goes into, you know, being an offensive line coach. There's some scheme stuff. Yeah, I'm watching the replay of this T J Watt. He just oh man, he just obliterates Russell. But there's 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 a lot of scheme stuff, you know. But for the most part, it's fundamentals and relying on your guys to beat the dude in front of them that's it a lot of football is beating the guy in front of you no matter what that is right if that's the guy trying to block you get off your block if that's a receiver uh in front of you make sure he doesn't catch it you know like that's if there's a, if you got the ball and somebody's trying to tackle you run him over it's 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 complicated and it gets complex all these schemes and designs and all that other stuff at the end of the day it's beat the dude in front of you that's most of what football is right The Seahawks were getting beat by the dude in front of them. And you know what? That's going to happen in this league. As good as I think the Seahawks O-line is, they will probably not have a pro bowler on the O-line. You know, just like they didn't last year. And they had a really good O-line. I think Sweezy was an alternate. So, like, they didn't have a pro bowler on their offensive line. So, you're going to have some days where teams that have some studs, they beat up on you a little bit. What the old Seahawks teams, the difference between this one and and, and the past is, back in the day you know not too long ago but back in the day a bad seahawks offensive line wasn't able to overcome being less talented and they would just eventually russell would have to scramble for his life or the defense would have to save their ass right that's that's back in the day now it's like okay they got some studs that's fine they'll get us you you, you hit me in the chin every once in a while but they got counter punches you know they still are tough they can withstand that stuff but I think it, it wasn't anything that fancy that Pittsburgh was doing. You know, I didn't ask any of the guys this, but I'm, I'm pretty smart with it at this point. DJ was getting his butt whooped, man. Like, that's that's what it is. You know, you know, those guys on Pittsburgh get paid too. Jermaine was getting his butt whooped. You know, Justin Britt just brought it up voluntarily. He gave up a sack, man. He got his butt whooped trying to play. Mike You potty got called for a hold, man. Sometimes you're going to get your butt whooped. You know, you just got to make it so you don't get your butt whooped and y'all lose. Right now, they 2-0. So, I mean, everybody's smiling on the plane ride back now.
0: No, that's true. That is true. And, again, in the second half, they definitely turned the tables and they gave up no sacks. They figured it out. And that's what you want to see. You want to see improvements, adjustments, and that's what the Seahawks were able to do today. And I thought that was pretty impressive. They had a rough first half. In the second half, they really tightened things up. And they protected Russ, and we saw that protection when he went off for 300 yards and three touchdowns. And speaking of some touchdowns, shout-out DK Metcalf, man. First hey, career you know, touchdown. Okay. So, you know, week one, you don't want to
2: overreact one way or the other. You know, where your team gets blown out or your team blows somebody out, you try not to, uh, you know, overreact. Week two, okay, if you see some patterns, there's some things that there that can be consistent, right? So... I'll give you an example from last year. Last year, they could not block with Ethan Post in the starting lineup, right? And the offense was not great when Russell didn't have Doug Baldwin, right? Those were themes that were going to be consistent because we saw them in the first two games. Whenever Ethan started, he couldn't block. Whenever Doug wasn't in the lineup, he couldn't throw. Like, this was pretty consistent. Right. So, and then another. I'll I'll spend a positive on that. Will Disley was really good in the first two games. Will Disley turns out to be actually really good. So now that we've got two games of DK Metcalf being really good, I'm ready to go ahead and say, all right, this is this is a thing now. Like this is I, I'm I'm pretty confident DK being good is going to be a thing. And I'm, Chris, I, maybe I'm tripping here. Let me know. I don't think David Moore gets his job back whenever he's
0: healthy. I remember saying this early on. I thought he would be a starter, and I'm sticking with it. Today, he he just, he just showed it much more, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do. I mean, the one back shoulder throw that he caught to begin the game with Russ, that was nice. I mean, I know they didn't connect on it anymore on that, but I think as the season goes on, that could be something that they rely on when they're playing teams that have no size for DK because you look around the league, there's only about two cornerbacks that – can size up well with DK. Richard Sherman, and I think Lattimore is another lanky. No, actually, Jalen Ramsey. Those are only pretty much two guys that I'm thinking, oh, and the Seahawks don't play the Jags this year. Irrelevant. But, again, back to DK. I mean, that back shoulder and then that little fade in the slot, that was just textbook. I mean, he did bobble it, but he regained focus, was able to hold onto the ball, and got both feet in. Well,
2: here's another thing, too. I think part of it, and it's why you got to kind of have a little bit of a caveat,
0: here, DK was targeted, I believe, like eight times uh, in the game. Uh, excuse seven me. Seven times, times yep. Right? Seven. He yep. only caught three balls. Yep.
2: Right. Now some of them he was on he wasn't on the same page with Russell. Uh and now some of them, the Seahawks, look, I don't I didn't confirm this with anybody, but I mean I'm smart, right? I, I can go confirm it later if I need to. They saw a mismatch. excuse me, a mismatch with Pittsburgh's number twenty two, Steven Nelson, right? And I was like, man, why does that name sound familiar? Looked it up. Oh. That's because he was the dude on the Kansas City Chiefs last year who couldn't guard me or you, Chris. He was very (laughs) bad. He was so bad. And I don't usually trash people. I remember tweeting uh, during the Chiefs game. I was like, look, number 20 can't guard anybody. (laughs) Because remember that Chiefs game? Those Chiefs DBs were just getting cooked by Doug uh, and Tyler. And I bet you on film, Shadi and Russ were like, we're going to go at 22. He can't guard DK. Now, 22 actually held his own. I think DK only had one catch on him, and it was the first catch uh, of the game, uh, his touchdown was against number thirty-four of Steelers. I don't know who that is, but I will say I bring that up to say this: if they're already at the point with DK where they're like, "Look, dude in front of you can't guard you," they're already in game two. They're like, "Look, rookie, this dude can't guard you." Like you, I think the list of people who can guard him extends further than you mentioned. I think even dudes who aren't that big can do it. You know, to do it over and uh, the Chargers is really good. Uh, the Titans have a really good safety – or excuse me, they have a really good corner. Uh, I think the – what's the dude in uh, – what's my man in Minnesota?
0: Xavier. They can, they can guard you. Yeah, like there's some dudes out there
2: who can, who can definitely lock up. You know, uh, Gilmore probably and, uh, in, in New England. But for the most part, if you're already at the point where like, hey, man, ain't nobody can guard you one-on-one. We don't care who it is. We already think that. That's what's going to bode well for DK because then you got to adjust to him. Then he's the guy you're doubling and not Tyler. And now teams are just screwed. If you got to watch out over the top for Tyler, and DK can't be one on one, and you got to worry about Chris Carson, yo, okay. Now we got us a top ten offense. Let's let's, let's get the ball
0: rolling. <laughs> top ten offense. Okay, okay. It was you good. Don't think so. I would say top twenty right now, on the way to top fifteen, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> oh man, you're low. You know they were top ten
1: last year in DVOA, I, I believe. Like, they
2: were a top-10 offense last year.
0: I think I think they're only going to get better. I mean, I keep – it's just – it's early. I don't want to jump the gun, you know?
2: No, I'm going to jump the man. I'm <laughs> going to just go all in on it. I'm, why not, man? Why not?
0: Why not? Because it can – all it takes is one week, as we found out, with the Steelers. One game.
2: <laughs> well, now the Steelers just look a hot, man. They can't run the ball. <laughs> uh, clearly – not clearly, but it looks like Juju is not – Number one, like ready.
0: Does oh no! That make sense? No, Antonio Brown was was a huge, huge help. Antonio was drawing everyone over. He had one on one. The concepts, everything worked out in his favor. Now teams are, as you saw with the Seahawks today, they eyed in on J on. I can't even say his name. Juju Smith Schuster. He, only, I mean, he had eight targets, five catches, eighty-four yards. We had on Mark Cabali. From the Athletic Pittsburgh, and he said he'll have under 100 yards. That was accurate, and I mean he really didn't get going until late in the game. I mean, does that even count? I guess. My goodness, I mean he was really no, it counts. he it was counts. He, game counts. he was very he was locked down pretty much. Seahawks were not giving him any room. I mean, hell, Dante now Dante Moncrief. what was his name? The guy, yeah, it was Dante Moncrief. He dropped an easy one that was intercepted, and he didn't see the field after that. Oh, they're gonna cut Dante Moncrief. I was gonna say the same thing. I, I mean, at this point. He's had two drops in his – three drops in his last two games. I mean, that's just – that's not going to cut it. But, yeah, I really think that this is – it's going to be interesting to see what the Seahawks do against the Saints now. That's Drew Brees and his thumb. We'll see what's going on with that. But it's going to be interesting. This could be a 3-0 and team. We'll see. Well, see,
2: that's why I'm willing to jump the gun. Man.
0: <laughs> like,
2: I don't, I, well, here's the thing. I know the Bengals didn't play well, and I know the Steelers haven't been playing well. But I also don't think that those are teams – even if they're playing poorly, I do not think those are teams with bad players. Got you. Like, you know, the the big band is not bad. The offensive line in Pittsburgh is not bad. James Conner is not bad. Andy Dalton and that offense is going to put up some numbers. Is Andy Dalton bad? It's debatable, right? But John Ross is not bad. Tyler Boyd is not bad. Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard are not bad. Uh, Their O-line is banged up or else it would probably be, you know, serviceable. Like, I think they're making teams not look that good. You know, the, now the Bengals, are, they're, they're interesting. I got to see what else the Bengals do because they got, they, they butts whooped. I don't know if you saw that Bengals score. They got smoked. They yeah. got hit by the Jimmy G Express. <laughs> yeah, they
0: Jimmy hit Jimmy put up 41 on them. I don't, yeah, that's, it is what it is, man. The Bengals are not good. 0-2, probably about to be 0-3. I don't think anyone tops the Dolphins. I don't know if they're going to win a game this season, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah,
2: but see, but see, even the thing with, like, Pittsburgh is, like, they're going to have games where they put up numbers, right? Like, if Big Ben's healthy, they're probably going to put up numbers next week. Andy Dalton threw for 300 yards again today. Like, Andy Dalton may have a, a year where, yeah, they may go 6-10, and 10, but he might throw for, like, 5,000 yards or something like that, or 4,800, just because that's how their offense is going to be designed. You know, when they have a crappy old line, you know, it's going to be a struggle. But I think right now what the Seahawks are doing is making other teams – they're taking away their you know, what they want to do right away. Like the Steelers wanted to run the ball. They couldn't. They couldn't. A like shout out to the linebackers or the Seahawks, man. They they shut that down. I don't I think James Conner just got nothing today. Like they were they were lights out.
0: Lights out. Well, before we get any further in our podcast, I think it's time we do some Twitter questions. What do you think, Mike?
2: Yo, how many questions do we have?
0: We have enough. Let's get rolling. <laughs> You, oh, you uh, ready? Let's go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, DK Dash Metcash at D Metcash. How is Jamarco Jones coming along? Love to hear his name called. He's been quiet. He's a player I thought could stir things up on the O line, but the signs kind of worries me now. Wait a minute.
2: Somebody's at name was already DK Metcash.
0: Oh yeah, it's, th- th- he's asked a few questions before. He's he's. <laughs> but yeah, DK Metcash.
2: Oh boy, that's actually a good nickname. <laughs> Look at me. That's actually a good nickname. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: this is the best five linemen they got. Right? Like this. This will be pertinent. And some other questions too that I, I think we have. These are the best five linemen they got: Mike Addy, Jermaine Fetti Dwayne Brown, Justin Britt, DJ Fleeker. This is the best five they got. George Fent is probably the the third best tackle on the team. Jamarco is probably the fourth. And then Ethan's the third best guard. After that, ain't nobody else worth playing. Like even Jamarco, not right now. Like it's he's just not ready. If he was ready, they'd play him. They would definitely play him at right tackle if he was ready. He's just he's just not. This is the best five they've got. Jermaine and Dwayne are the best two tackles on this team. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's just that's just how it is.
0: I think Tupac has a great song. It's just, that's just the way it is. <laughs>
1: yes it is that's
0: how it goes all right next one up is from ross at ross for how likely is another big trade for minka fitzpatrick is there cap space for that would a trade for fitzpatrick put the seahawks in super bowl or bus mode
2: so there's definitely cap space here's the thing about cap space that i've learned as i've like done this nfl thing for a few years you can always create cap space if you want to There's ways to move money around, move players, cut guys. Like You can create cap space, and I don't really think there's any such thing as not having space. It's just a matter of whether you want to make space for those guys or you want to keep those guys, right? So there's space for Minka. Minka also has a very low cap hit, because I think a lot of his salary has already been paid by Miami. I think I read about 60%, 64% has already been paid by Miami via signing bonus uh, last season. So you get Minka on the cheap. Now, in terms of how how likely it is the Seahawks do it, I haven't dug into any like sources or anything, but I just think with the price point, uh, knowing that he has cap hits, I think that are all below like 4 or $5 million for the next three years plus a fifth-year option. Jesus, man, it's a bargain. Uh, you're basically getting a first-round pick for like second-round money for three years. Like, that's, that's ridiculously good. Sean Snyder's not an idiot, right? Like, he, he knows that. He's going to make some calls if he hasn't made some calls already. His agent's already shopping guys around. I need to double-check to see if his agent represents anyone who's already on the Seahawks. Like, the relationship might already be there. So, yeah, they're definitely going to call. I can almost guarantee they call. John Snyder calls. Bro, he called about AB after he called his boss a cracker. Like, they call about talent. (laughs) I I can guarantee that. Like, I'm serious, man. He threatened to punch his boss in the face Burned his feet in Paris. called his boss a cracker, and the Seahawks were like, hey, man, what's happening? <laughs> like they'll definitely call about Minka Fitzpatrick. I'd probably put the chances at about thirty percent. Here's what's going to be a big variable here: is the Dolphins don't need to be in a rush, right? The Dolphins don't have to do anything. Minka's not going to hold out, so if Minka's like, "Hey, man, I want out," the Dolphin is like, "Cool, get your butt on the field. <laughs>
1: like,
2: we'll trade you if we feel like trading man." Like they have the Dolphins have to leverage you. So, and I, I believe their organization to be competent. At least in terms of like managing business, they got a lot for that Tunsil and Stills trade. So I don't think they're just going to hand over Fitzpatrick like the Texans handed over Jadavian Clowney. Right? It's going to cost something, comes something significant. So if the Dolphins are willing to just play him and suck, you know, while they wait for the best offer, they'll do that. You know, if the Seahawks are like, well, Jamar Taylor's just as good. He's on the cheap. We like Delano developing in our system. We already drafted Marquise and Hugo. We like how they're developing. We got Bradley for a couple years, you know, we're not paying him backup money, so he's got to start. If they're happy with their guys, and they're not willing to part with a first or second round pick, then there probably is no Minka. The Seahawks will probably at least have to be willing to give up a first or a second. Now, right now, I would say the first is highly unlikely. The second is iffy, since they have two of them. But uh, I think the Seahawks will want to probably go lower than that, because they're already happy with who they have. Uh, but I wouldn't rule it out. Like, John Snyder's going to make some calls.
0: All right. Next question is from Sam. What is up, Sam? At Sammy C 521 did Tomlin mess up with the waiting to call his last timeout after the fourth-and-one conversion by Carson? Why are coaches bad at clock management?
2: Um, and, well, the answer to the second question is coaches are bad at clock management because they're in high-pressure pressure situations, and they're just thinking too much. Like, they're human beings, too. Even if you've been in the league forever, you make mistakes, you know, you get nervous, you got a lot of people in your ear telling you a bunch of different things. So that's part of it. Why Andy Reid is so bad at it? I have no idea. Uh,
1: <laughs> this,
2: uh, the other the other part uh, of that question. so Eddie's bad. <laughs> but the other part of that question. Uh, no, Mike Tomlin did not mismanage it. Once you get a first down after the two-minute warning, which is what they did. They got a first down after the two-minute warning. So there's four plays that, have, that can happen, right? So even if you call a timeout, just 40 seconds in between each play, you know. So, I mean, you multiply those 40 seconds by what? By three for those one, two, three plays before it would be a turnover on downs in the fourth play. They don't have, I mean, the game's over. Like, you take take the knees, even if you call one timeout, you wait the 40 seconds, ball game, right? That's that's it. So, no, Mike, Mike played it
0: right. Got it. All right. Next question comes from Mr. Collins. Hey, guys, fill in the love. Ha, ha, ha. How was that, Michael? Was that a good ha, ha, ha? I don't
2: know. That was, oh, you trying to do like the
1: dude on Twitter? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's better. Who are your top three performers and bottom three from today?
2: Okay, my top three were well is one. That's that's pretty easy. Will Dixon's got to be two. I mean, that boy's a baller, man. That, he, every, he just he just clutched that clutch. Not clutch. He's reliable, you know. I think he had three targets or five targets and caught all of them. You know, he catches the passes in the red zone, catches them in tight windows. He's he's tough to bring down. So yeah, I gotta go with Disley. And you know, three is hard. I think Bradley McDougal had a good day, getting that interception. I thought the run defense was outstanding. So I think I think Kendricks, Bobby, and KJ all. Let's go with that. I'll go with all three linebackers, man. The line the linebacking core. Play really well. I'll, I'll go with those three. To shut down James Conner against that offensive line, what did James Conner have? 11 Ks with 33 yards. and He had a touch on a one-yard run, so, I mean, I, I think they deserve some love. They did really well.
0: Okay, that's totally fair. And then we have one from Hector Mark at H Castle 23 What are your thoughts on the right side of the O-line after today? Consistent, inconsistency, potential for personnel shakeup?
1: Oh, wait, dang. Did, the, did the other question have a bottom three?
0: Oh, you didn't even answer the bottom three. Yes, Mike, bottom three. Before we move on to Hector, sorry about that. Bottom three performers. Well,
2: the reason I come back to the bottom three is that two of the guys in the O-line are in my bottom three. <laughs> so that actually makes sense. So my bottom three is DJ Fluker, Jermaine Fetti and then Chris Carson because he can't put the ball on the ground. So True. To, to spin that forward to the question about the right side of the O-line, again, they didn't beat the guys in front of do I think that's going to happen every game with Jermaine? Maybe. <laughs> it just it just might. With DJ, no. Uh, I don't. I don't think it will. Because I think at the end of the day, they can clamp down and won't be a liability. Now you can argue Jermaine sometimes is a liability. To be honest, I'm going to say this about Jermaine. I think Jermaine's mostly a liability when he's getting penalties. He can block. Like, will he have? A, will he give up a sack? Yes. He will, because he's more more than likely going against some of the best rushers in the league. Like, some of those dudes, teams, because, you know, when you have a great defensive end, you don't just stick him against the other team's left tackle. That's stupid. You put him against their right tackle, and then you see what he can do. So, I think you're just going to have to live with what Jermaine brings. But, for the most part, when he's not getting penalties, he stays out of the way. It's the penalties, and now that's part of his game. But, I mean, like I said earlier, they only got five good dudes, man. Like five and a half, you counted. You ain't just gonna just you ain't gonna find no good right tackles on the street. If you could, Bill Belichick would have already got him. <laughs> that was gonna be man. Ain't just a bunch of good right tackles just walking around, man. It's hard to play tackle in this league, man. You play some really good dudes every week. There's a good pass rusher on the edge coming at you, man. It's just hard. That's just what it's gonna be. They're gonna have to use some running backs to help. Use Nick Vinet. Use Will Disley to chip and double team. But, yeah, man, ain't no personnel changes. They ain't got nobody. They have no other good right tackles on the team. That's just what it is.
0: All right. Ryan Turner at Turns44. Appreciate the love. Always giving us good questions. Getting out of the berg with a W is huge. Despite being 2-0, there are some serious questions with this team that could be big problems when facing better teams. Mike, what do you think the biggest problem is with the Seahawks and what could or should be done to address it? And also, lastly, where did you eat and what did you have? Keep killing it.
1: Oh, we gotta get Ryan like a T-shirt or something, man. He
2: has, he does ask good questions uh, every every week, man. That's I appreciate Ryan. Um, let's see. First part. What's the biggest problem? Um, I think the biggest problem is up front. I don't think they've been able to run the ball like they really wanted to uh, consistently. I think they've been getting knocked back uh, a lot. I think I think they've been inconsistent up front, not just Jermaine or DJ or I think Justin, Mike, Ethan. I think everyone's kind of been getting knocked back a little bit too often. They haven't been really able to. I hate this cliche. Establish the run uh, for the most part. So I, thankfully they've been able to like dig themselves out of some holes. Uh, despite that, thanks in large part to the defense. So that would be my biggest thing. Like the secondary doesn't concern me as much, especially if not if they have to face. Teddy and then um you get a rookie at Kyler I think after that maybe then week five you got Jared Goff and prime primetime to worry about that but yeah so the, the not being able to do what you're best at that's always going to be a problem right now I think it's you know it's it's running the rock so that that's my biggest concern what was the other one where did I eat at yes oh damn uh it's called it had some fancy name though it, it was called Siena Mar- Mercado, I believe it was a rooftop Italian restaurant in downtown Pittsburgh. It was really good, man. I got a meatball. I got a chicken meatball sub sandwich, uh, just like flooded with uh, pesto sauce. Mm. Oh, it was beautiful. I got a picture to show you, man. It's it's absolutely delicious. It was, yeah, that's where I. Went. It was really really
0: dope. That's Sounds good, good. Sounds really oh, good. Was amazing. All right. Next up, we have DJ. At Bacon Brown J, why is it so gosh diddly important for NFL journalists to be the first one to report breaking news? Get it accurate. Fans don't give a rip who gets it first.
2: Did you say gosh diddly?
0: He really did. I love it. That's why I said it. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> gosh diddly. You know, I don't think a lot of us. I mean, I think the people who've been in the game a long time recognize how this works like you're not gonna break something faster than Ian Rappaport you're just not you're not gonna break something before Adam Schefter or Tom Palacero or Mike Garofalo or Garofalo, the all, all the NFL Network guys like even if you're Josina Anderson you're probably gonna get scooped on a lot of stuff um, who else breaks stuff I think Perez out in uh, Kansas City he breaks some stuff but for the most part man we know we ain't breaking things like we can confirm some stuff Maybe we'll have a transaction or two here and there, but the big stuff, man, that's that's the national guys. They got the game on lock, and if, if someone really wants me to explain how they have a game on lock, I would be glad to do that. Not on this show, but <laughs> maybe another another podcast. Uh, for real, that's going to take me too long. But, you got it. Yeah, I don't think we really—we try to be first, but at the end of the day, we know like injuries are going to be through— Ian, you know, trades are going to be through Ian and Adam. Like, that's just, we we kind of recognize it. We'd like to be first, because, you know, we like the retweets and the engagements. I mean, our bosses, look at that stuff. But I think most of us who've been in the game know, like, you ain't beating rap and you ain't beating Shepard. That's just what it is.
0: Got it. Next up, we have Chris Calvert at Chris underscore Calvert three. Will Chris Carson be sleeping with the football the next few days?
1: Yo, he better. Like, come on,
2: man. Like, I'm not that tough on running backs. You know, I don't I don't really, like, criticize their vision or their feet. Like, I was really worried about Rashad because he does seem to just, like, fall on his own a lot. That's really weird. Uh, he's, he looked good on that uh, rushing touchdown, though. But the one thing you can't do, just like a receiver with dropping it, dog, you can't fumble it. <laughs> like, that's the one thing you can't do. You can never put the ball on the ground. And Chris has done that three times in two games. I don't care if you're Saquon Barkley. I don't care if you're Walter Payton or Emmitt Smith. You you What, uh, what do he say? I remember the Titans. You fumble my football. I'm going to stick my foot in, your know, John Brown hind parts, and then you will run a mile. Like, that's, that's what it is. So I don't know if they have to resort to some, like, college thing where you make Chris Carson walk around the facility with duct tape around his arms and a football in his hand. But you got to do something, man. You got to let Chris know. You put this ball on the ground, we're going to put Rashad in the game. And that's just going to be what it is.
0: We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I will break my foot off in your John Brown high parts, and then you will run a mile.
2: Yes. Perfection.
0: There you go. <laughs> Perfection. All right. Next up, when, this is from JS at sore 21 When can Malik take more snaps from Brown?
2: I mean, shoot. Guy's not even about to snaps. It's the targets, man. Like (laughs) JB didn't play, what, two games? This was a a rough game for JB. And I like JB. I really do. This was not a good game for JB.
0: He got called for what? I think he got called for a block in the back. Twice.
2: Yeah, twice with two blocks in the back? Yes. Oh, man. Like, come on. You can't do that. You just can't. You just can't. If you, and if you look too, you look real close on his uh, on Rashad Penny's touchdown run. You can see Jaron Brown running with his hands behind his back,
1: like to make sure <laughs> he doesn't blow it. Like that's how
2: bad it got. And you do that, and you don't get no targets. Now here's the thing about JB and Malik and basically any receiver in this offense, for the most part, they don't really need a lot of volume. Most of these guys have good hands. I think Tyler had a drop today, but other than that. I think for the most part, these guys are pretty sure-handed. So when the ball comes to them, they're going to catch it. So it's not necessarily about the snaps. It's really just the targets. Like, JB could play 12 snaps next week. But if he gets two targets, you know, that's a good percentage of uh, the snaps that he got targets on. So, so far, I think Malik's in a better position. But JB's just, he's the better receiver, I think. So he's safe for now. But let Malik get a touchdown in week three, then he's going to get
0: up. Got it. This is from Joey at yo underscore grr, yogur. With, okay. <laughs> with DK showing he can be a factor, you think the offense changes at all as far as run-pass balance?
2: No, and I think this goes back to what, uh, what I said about shoddy adjusting too, man. I think it's going to be a week-to-week thing. Like In every game, they're going to try to establish the run, right? Because that's, that's just who they are. But I think in some games, they're going to be more... Flexible, at least ideally. This is perfect world. Shotty realizes, like, look, man, the Saints are whooping us, or hey, man, the Cardinals are whooping us. We have to get the ball to Russell's hand, or we gotta, we gotta get out on the edges. We have to do something different because we can't just run it at them. It's not gonna work. So I think that they're always gonna try to go for more runs than passes because Pete Carroll believes that running the ball is safer uh, than throwing the football. However, I mean. Russell I ain't throwing no picks, and Chris has put the ball on the ground three times in two games. But that's neither, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so they're always gonna have more runs than passes, like in their ideal world. But I think what Shady's gonna realize is what: if we're throwing the ball is a better move to win this individual game, then that is what we have to do. Like perfect world, that's the mindset he has. Cause you know what? In some games, Russ won't need to drop back 40 times. In some games, it'll only need to be 23. Just like it was, I think, last week was 24. So, sometimes that is all it's going to take. And sometimes you're going to need 40 dropbacks to beat a team on the road. If Shotty can just be flexible in that way, and you know the talent will be flexible in the same way, then they'll be fine. I don't think going in, you need to, like, have a fixed amount. You should just do what you're best at and then adjust accordingly. That should always be the plan. And if it is, then they'll be good.
0: All right. Martin at marty 24. He wants to know, reports are that the Saints are heading to Seattle today. Is there a reason for that?
2: Man, there's a lot of questions, bro. This is, I love this. This is fan love. <laughs> I appreciate all of these questions. I always wanted to take a moment to do that. Uh, the Saints are coming to Seattle, yes, because the Saints played at Los Angeles, and the Saints apparently deemed it uh, a bit more convenient to just fly from Los Angeles to Seattle, which is about a two-and-a-half-hour flight, uh, and just stay here for the week. Instead of going all the way back to New Orleans and coming back. And that's not like an uh, an uncommon practice. The Seahawks, I don't know if they've done it, but like, for example, the 49ers just did it. I believe they had a game at Tampa and then had a game at Cincinnati, and I think they just stayed in Ohio uh, for the week. I mean, teams do that. I don't know really. I get the benefit, like, you know, less travel, but. I mean, you're, in a, you're on private planes, bro. <laughs> just, just fly back home. It ain't that serious. Now you got to go through security. And stuff. You just fly back home, you go chill, come back five days later. I don't know. I, I think it's silly, but I think teams have done it playing here in the past. Uh, they usually, what they do is they practice at like, you know, an indoor facility. Like I think the Saints will probably try to practice like either at UW, at Memorial Stadium. Um, I don't know. They'll find somewhere. But yeah, teams do that.
0: Got it. Next up, we have Jason at Jason Long Laughs. Why did the Seahawks fall for the flea flicker?
2: You know, okay, so here's the thing. I was going to ask Bobby Wagner about this too. But at the end of the day, a flea flicker, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, it's just play action. It's just like elongated play action. At the end of the day, it's just you you give it to the running back or you look like you're going to give it to the running back and you you end up throwing it. That's all play action. is. So, I mean, any team can fall for it. And Delano a bit hard.
0: Yeah, he maybe. did. But I
2: mean, that's it's it's play action. Play action is naturally
0: deceptive. And so, Juju did a really good job of selling it. If you watch the replay, Juju pretty much trots up as if he's going to block, and then he puts on the burners.
2: Yeah, I think I think any team can fall for deception. Yep. What teams are seeing on film to see that the Seahawks are much more susceptible to it. I don't know. I think maybe it's because the Seahawks are so, like, held in on, like, stopping the run first. So if you know that a team is a run-stopping-first squad, if you any type of run, they'll jump on. So especially if they see the running back with the ball in his hand, like, you have to react to that. And boom. they got hit with the flea flicker, man. That's funny. If the Saints do it tomorrow, that's just a troll job. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> not tomorrow. If they do that on Sunday, that's just the ultimate troll job.
0: All right. We got two more, Mike. We're almost there, man. W. Snyder. At Bird Finger. Sorry if you already answered this, but shouldn't there have been timeout one more timeout left for the Steelers since they had one timeout after the two minute warning?
2: No. That's so weird. Maybe I need to go watch the tape again, but by my account, they got the first down after the two minute warning. There's only one timeout you know there's 40 seconds yeah i already did the math no mike mike tomlin man he lost that was it man he, he lost man He gonna check on his quarterbacks his elbow, his elbow man it was that was it it was
0: over so that answer is no there should have there should have not been time left for the steelers since they had one timeout after two minute warning it all adds up our last question comes from luke Cow. oh luke oh man you know what i'm just gonna go with the the username, the at name, at GravityRides360. I'm guessing his waves are on 360. I could be wrong, though. Why aren't they subbing out Fluker on obvious passing downs? Um,
2: You just can't do that. I mean, that's, a, man, the old line's getting killed uh,
0: <laughs>
2: you, you You just can't, you can't do that. They're not like defensive linemen or whatever. You need to put your best five guys on the field. And I don't know who they think would be subbing in there for them. If, everyone, if, if you're now on the Ethan Posick is better than Fluker train, I think you're on that alone, buddy. Like a fl- Fluker, is, is he's their guy. And I actually think he's been really good at pass protection. He was really good last week. Uh, actually, you know, on a day when the O-line was getting criticized a lot, too. Fluker can pass a lot. Today was just not his day. And you're going to have some days like that. And everybody has them. Fluker ain't perfect. He's not all pro. That's the other things. That's why I reminded you, there ain't no Pro Bowls on this whole line. He's got five good dudes. No one's great. I think Dwayne is really good. But like, actually Dwayne might be great. But ain't no like superstar studs really up front like that. Like at this point, you got good dudes who can lose matchups against really good defenders. And that's what that's what it is. DJ had a bad day. Do I think you have a bad day next week? Probably not. The week after that, probably not. Like, that's I don't want to put too much into one game in that way because I know DJ can block. He's got a track record of being able to do it. And you can't just sub old linemen on on an obvious passing place. That won't work. You need the communication. You need the timing of having all five guys in there that are used to playing with each other.
0: I lied, Mike. I got one more question. It just came no. up. <laughs> <laughs> it's from... 950 KJR's own Ian Furness. The Ian Furness show is on every day from one to three on 950 KJR Sports Radio. What kind of meatballs did you go with tonight, Mike? And did Aaron did Aaron Fintry pick up the tab?
2: Oh, that's from Ian. That's a great question. Uh, I had the chicken. had the chicken meatballs with the with the uh, pesto, as I mentioned. No, Aaron did not pick up the tab. And we, it's all it was all. On the company although we did go to one place called monte brothers which is a very popular chain over here in pittsburgh uh we went there and the, the food took so long to come out for aaron that they made it they get made in the wrong thing forgot his second thing and gave a free version of the first thing they made wrong and then they were like hey man we'll just comp the whole meal <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
2: that's how, that's how bad it was it, it, the food was good my food was good but that that yeah that time i guess aaron technically
1: picked up the check because it was it was basically a
0: free meal because his food took so long got it well that's all the twitter questions we got through them all man that was great we want to thank everyone out there that asked the question we appreciate the love and support also yeah man anything else you want to add mike I was, I was thinking of something but nothing came to my mind when i said also you got anything else mike
2: no nah, man damn that was a lot of, was
0: that 12 questions bro i'm gonna go back and count and i'll let you know because it was a lot
2: that is, I appreciate that type of love, man. That's I really can't. Thank you, everyone. We we really do appreciate the love. There will be no show without you guys listening. It'd just be me and Chris talking to each other. We can do that. On, we don't need you no know, microphones.
1: Yeah. So
2: we we really do, man. I'm gonna speak for Chris so on this. We appreciate the love. Keep coming. Like as you see, we answer everything, no matter how silly or whatever we, we want. We
1: want you guys. To- it's easy now. We'll catch
0: you guys later this week.
1: Oh, you make my heart. Come down. Mike, always need it, come I'm gonna have to cut you off. <laughs> like, so you like right, right this now. These you see, I do you say that for your mama, maybe you should smoke I'm to I Catch you later. Yeah.
0: Before we get out of here, we have one more announcement to make. Brand new podcast coming. It's going to be a daily show. It's called The Lead. It's going to cover everything you want to know across the world, the U.S., wherever you're living. They're going to cover it. Co-host by Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto. They'll bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're going to hear a quick preview of The Lead. Be sure to subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen Also, check out theathletic.com backslash the lead to read stories featured on the lead. Check it
1: out. You can follow sports through sound bites or a full
2: story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first.
1: This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter.
2: Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he knocks
1: it down. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guy. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports.
2: And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator.
1: I'm Kavitha Davidson.
2: And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead.
1: Touchdown. we got to go faster, faster! Go Beyond the Box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you... The Lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The Lead. Sports up close.